0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the latest and greatest episode of the Fangirl Radio Show. I'm your host, Jessica Dwyer. This week's episode is really special. I'm very excited to welcome, as our interview segment uh, guests David Dasmashin and... Tim Sheridan from Batman the Long Halloween Part 1. Tim Sheridan is the writer and David Dasmaltian, as you know, is a fantastic actor who has basically taken over the land of comic book film and television um, as well as comics. He is the writer of Count Crowley who, if you have not read this comic book, you need to go out and buy it. Um, They have a graphic novel that has compiled all the issues together and it is fantastic. It's beautifully drawn and David is a massive horror nut, so he uh, he brought that to fo- the fore on this uh, comic, which is all about a horror movie host that actually has to hunt and fight real monsters, and it is so good, um, just fantastic stuff, and I love it. Um, David is a favorite of mine because he's not only a great actor but a great writer. He is a massive horror geek. Uh, he loves comics, and um, as I said, he's basically taken over the land of uh, comic book film and television. He's been in the Flash TV series and Sabra He has now voiced Calendar Man in Batman The Long Halloween. Uh, he was in Ant-Man as one of uh, the crew that helped um, uh, Paul Rudd do his heist. And then you have him in the upcoming The Suicide Squad as a Polka Dot Man opposite the man himself, Peter Capaldi, uh, directed by James Gunn. That's hitting in August. Um, and then... You also um, have him in the Dark Knight movie, which is his one of his first roles uh, in a major uh, film. So he is uh, part of the DC Universe in various ways, and I am very excited to share that interview with you. Tim Sheridan has written a ton of stuff. He is uh, well-known in the world of comics and also now in the world of DC animation. The Long Halloween part one is just beautiful. It's packed with noir. It's packed with horror elements. It's great because they managed to combine the artwork from the comic in this film along with the same DC animation style that um, we're all familiar with. And it is just, uh, just so great. And the actors... Besides David, you've got Jensen Eccles coming on as Batman for the first time after having been the Red Hood. You've got uh, Billy Burke as James Gordon, Josh Duhamel as Harvey Dent, Titus Williver, another comic book geek, um, as Carmine Falcone, Um, Jack Quaid's in this as, as his son Alberto. Uh, Troy Baker is back as the Joker. It's just packed full of stuff. And the late Naya Rivera is Selena Kyle, um, a.k.a. Catwoman, in and, and one of her last roles. Uh, just an amazing cast, an amazing film. And part two is coming out next month. But you need to just get on it and get Batman on the long Halloween when it comes out on June 22nd. You can read my full review on FangirlMag.com. Again, just so good. I really enjoyed it. I love the Blu-ray. Uh, it, the, the short on the Blu-ray is um, The Losers, uh, aka their, their World War, I believe, two counterparts um, in that one. And it is an uh, excellent short. Um, and Ming-Na Wayne is in that. So it's like everybody's crossing over you at DC and they're Marvel and Marvel in your DC. Um, so fantastic stuff. I just really love it. So you, I hope you enjoy that segment. Um, but before we get to that, let's talk about the Weekend Geek. And I know we're behind. This is the first episode in a long, long while, and I'm hoping to um, be back more often um, with these. And uh, so you'll, you'll be getting more. Um, and just as an aside, in um batman the long halloween part two more fantastic geekery uh you've got katie sackoff as poison ivy john dimaggio is the mad hatter um just just everybody everybody is in this um anyway let's talk about loki uh loki is uh amazing as we knew it would be uh everybody I mean it's broken records I think now for Disney Plus um as of this recording episode two uh premiered a couple of days ago everybody's talking about Lady Loki um I don't know that it's Lady Loki uh I'm of a mind as as many other people that it may actually not be Lady Loki but it is Enchantress Lady Loki may show up, and I think it's going to be Lady Loki a la Sif. I'm still sticking to that, Um, but I think this is actually Enchantress, and uh, her look looks like Enchantress. Um, I'm, I'm just really going for that, and also not only that reasoning, but also in the overseas markets, her name is Sylvie, which is the name of the Enchantress in the comics. They actually... Named her that instead of the variant, which we got here in the States. So, I also am still holding out hope that Richard E. Grant is going to be old Loki. I am older Loki. Not that Richard e. Grant is ancient. He looks like an older Tom Hiddleston, and I am here for that. Um, my theory, though, is that um, I think what's going to end up happening here, and we'll see, because they're really pushing the loss of, uh, as of the second episode, when Loki finds out that Asgard is no more, um, which is some amazing acting by Tom Hiddleston, um, I think what's going to end up happening is we're going to see that blonde Loki, maybe, we'll call her lady. I don't know. I don't want to call her lady. I I know she's probably Enchantress. Anyway, um, Femme Loki, I think, is going to, the reason she's doing what she's doing I believe is to get back at the time variance authority and the reason is I think she's trying I think she's trying to get revenge for her reality um being destroyed by them um because that's what they do they they destroy those timelines and um I think this is her way to either get revenge or get revenge and get her timeline back by creating all these variant timelines which is what happened at the end of that episode and um I think that's what we're going to see happening here. And um, I think Loki is probably either going to end up helping her or he may have to destroy her. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but I'm really excited by this show. Uh, they ramped it up pretty quick. And the reason they had to is because they only have six episodes. We're not getting like 12 or 10 episodes of Loki. We're getting six. Um Now, this is maybe the one show we'll get a second season of. Uh, They've been talking about that. I hope they do it. Tom Hiddleston seems very happy playing Loki. And I think they they wouldn't have a problem getting him to come back, especially since he was an executive producer on this show. So let's see where it goes. I am absolutely loving Loki. You can read my complete review of Episode 2 on FangirlMag.com. But I was really, really happy with how that show is designed and just Owen Wilson is great I this it's so it's so fun um one thing that I was thinking about uh today as I ponder uh the show um because always you know a good show makes you think and this one was making me think about the reason why Mobius is so helpful to Loki and why he seems so supportive of him and It got me thinking about the fact that Owen Wilson's character is sort of similar to Loki in the fact that they're both sort of the um, lost children of their parents. In uh, Mobius's case, he is the child of the timekeepers who has never met them. Uh, He's basically just sent out into the world to do what is expected of him. But he has never been face-to-face with them, he's never uh, gotten to talk to them, and they've never really recognized him. So in a lot of ways, uh, Mobius is like Loki. Um, Loki was sort of the lost child of both his families. He, of course, he had the love of his mother, but now he's lost her. He's sort of an orphan in that regard. Mobius is sort of an orphan too, because you don't know if they really exist, Neither does he. So it's, it's kind of a neat dynamic when you think of it that way. And he's trying to help another lost child uh, in Loki. And that's why he wants him to succeed. So I think there's that element to it. I really like that, uh, the thought of that. Um, meanwhile, in another DC universe or comic book universe uh, as we flip from Marvel to DC. There is a fantastic image going around from the set of the flash movie with Ezra Miller of Michael Keaton as Bruce Wayne. And he looks amazing. Um, He's got silver hair and he's dressed impeccably and, and just looks great. I am so excited and it's fantastic too, because if you think about it, He's coming back in that. He's going to be back in the Spider-Man movies and Mo- and, and uh, Morbius as well as the vulture. I'm loving the Michael or Michael Keaton Renaissance. You know, I am really liking it and he looks so great. I was very excited about that. Us kids of the eighties will be screaming when he shows up on screen as Bruce Wayne again. It's just so great to see. Um, This week, we saw the finale for the season of The Last Drive-In, and Joe, Bob, and Darcy nailed it. This season, Um, probably one of the best seasons of The Last Drive-In. Sorry for the flipperoo, but we're going to talk about The Last Drive-In for a minute. Um, The Last Drive-In is probably one of the best things to happen in years for fandom, especially horror fans. Couldn't have timed it better with the pandemic and everything as well, but... This is probably um, one of the most eclectic seasons of the last drive-in we've ever had. Um, This one had the VHS night, which was so great. We had the Roger Corman night, which was amazing to see Roger Corman. Um, And so, you know, talking, uh, you know, we have an episode of Fangirl Radio where I interviewed him a few years ago uh, that you can uh, check out on SoundCloud. Um, But he just is so savvy and with it. And still working, and um, the man's like a walking Hollywood legends encyclopedia of everything. I mean, everybody worked with him, and he's now just still working, and uh, it was great to see two, the two films they picked um, were Little Shop of Horrors and Humanoids from the Deep, and it was really neat to hear the stories that went into those movies and, and the things that happened on set and hear Roger talk about um, Hollywood in the business. Cause he, the, if anybody knows about the business of Hollywood and making films, it's Roger Corman. And um, it's, it was great to see Joe Bob talk to him. And, and cause Joe Bob, a, a lot of people think still somehow for some reason that he's just, he, you know, he's a funny redneck, but John Bloom who is a friend of the show and um has been on here a few times and if you listen to those interviews you will see it he is an exceptionally smart talented guy and writer um he's an inspiration to me and to a lot of people and what i love about the last drive in and thanks to Diana aka Darcy um he, we're able to, you know, I think, I think it's great to see that he is, is realizing as the show is on, and especially this season and previous seasons as well, how much impact he's had on lives and inspiration. And um, it's always amazing and fantastic when you get to tell people how important they were to you and what they inspired you with and how they imp- impacted your life. And this show is allowing fans to do that. And, um, it's, it's great to see him get touched by that. And, um, also he just continues to inspire and he's taking the opportunity. It's like this safe place for fans to go every night on every Friday night on Twitter. You know, I take part in it because I love, I love this stuff and I love it when fans come together and are able to talk and you feel less alone, especially right now with everything going on. Um, you know, you're able to connect and find like-minded people and tell jokes and enjoy those films together. Even if you're, like, across, you know, on another side of the world, there are people that get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to watch this live with everyone else. And it's, it's just such a neat experience. Um, and, uh, you know, it's the mutant family. Mutant fam um, come together. And it just, to me... This season really kind of brought that home. You had so many good guests as well, like Roger Corman again, Jeffrey Combs, Clint Howard, um, just amazing stuff. And uh, also just the fact that you you have guys sending in their movies to, you know uh, to Joe Bob, knowing he's gonna watch them. And that's a big deal, especially for people my age, you know, who grew up watching Joe Bob and what he means to us. Cause he introduced a lot of us to a lot of stuff we never even heard of before in his shows. Um, and he just is a walking, another one of those walking knowledge books that um, just imparts their knowledge. And, and, and when he goes on his so-called rants and tirades, they're super smart and he knows what he's talking about. Um, so if you, haven't, for whatever reason, watched The Last Drive-In at all. You need to take the opportunity to go do that and get caught up. Um, I love the fact that Shudder did us the solid of creating the Just the Joe Bob segments, which you can just, they're entertaining all the hell to themselves. Um, you just listen to Joe Bob do his thing for 45 minutes, and if you have the movie. Um, they actually tell you where to do your break in the film to turn this on. Even if the movie is no longer on shutter or that last drive-in episode is gone because of the rights no longer being available to them, they still have the just the Joe Bob parts. And so you are able to sync them up with your movie and and listen to him and part his wisdom. So uh, if you haven't, as again, haven't seen the last drive-in or watched this or experienced this, um... I think Shudder knows if they cancel this show, probably 75% of their subscriber base will disappear. Uh, so, I'm I'm pretty confident we'll get at least another season, if not a special. Because um, they do specials like Halloween, Thanksgiving. Um, we'll probably get at least a couple more of those. Um, and if not, we riot. <laughs> So, anyway, um, friend of the show, Joe Bob Briggs, we love you, and um, thank you for giving us weirdos a place to go every week to not feel so alone, um, which you know. Uh, Just as a heads up, too, for weirdos, um, Willie's Wonderland is on Hulu, and if you haven't seen Willie's Wonderland and you're a fan of the great Nicolas Cage, you need to watch it. It is hilarious and amazing and awesome and he is as cage as he can be in this. Um, Kind of along that too uh, Pig has the trailer out. Um, We actually posted that on fangirlmag.com if you haven't seen the trailer yet. Uh, From all intents and purposes it kind of looks like an odd John Wick with him and a pig Um, but I'm not 100% sure um, because the Trailer leaves things a little vague, and I kind of like that. But it looks amazing. Um, looks beautifully shot. It it supposedly takes place in Portland, Oregon, which I kind of dig too. I wish if they actually filmed it there, I'll have to look. Um, I would have totally went and tried to get on the set for that. But uh, it looks amazing, uh, and it's it is what it looks like to be is a movie about a. Um, something happened. He, he's apparently a really uh, gourmet cook. Something happens. He ends up going into the woods living alone with his truffle-sniffing pig that he uses to hunt mushrooms with, and that pig gets kidnapped, and he has to go find the pig. And so that is the plot of that, and um, it looks so good. I love crazy Nick Cage stuff. I really do. Um He's one of my favorite actors, and he has just embraced the insanity, and doesn't care, and he's just having a good time, and uh, that's how it should be, especially if you're Nick Cage, because if he is having a good time, we're having a good time, there is no doubt in my mind. Anyway, guys, um, thank you for that Weekend Geek uh, listening to that segment. I am going to now turn it over to our interview segments with David Dasmalchen and Tim Sheridan for the Long Halloween Part 1, which is going to be uh, available on June 22nd. Uh, Definitely check it out. As I said, it's fantastic. If you're a Batman fan, you're going to love it. Um, And Part 2 will be available next month. So again, thank you so much for listening. Uh, Stay tuned for that interview segment coming up next, and I will talk to you soon on the next episode of Fangirl Radio. Oh,
1: I'm great.
0: Well, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. And oh my God, this movie was terrific. I have a lot of questions. I'm going to try to p- pound through these pretty quick. Um,
1: All right, let me try to truncate my answers.
0: <laughs> no, be long, answer. be as long-winded as you want on your answers. That's totally fine. <laughs> I, 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 I'm. As a writer, can you talk about the process of transferring a comic to a script for animation and what the choices entail? Because that's something that really fascinates me. On what you have to to prune or what you want to have to add for this.
1: You know, I had never written a comic book until this past year, and so now I'm writing books for DC, and I I didn't really know anything about writing comics, but I knew everything about reading them, and. Uh, <laughs> And what I knew as a, someone who makes movies and TV and, and and reads comics is that comics are a different experience. They not only are they a thing that is that is small, that we control, that's in our hands, that we get to put down and pick up, and we get to hit the pause button whenever we want, sort of the way home video works. But movies, you know, are, are typically are larger than life they're on a giant screen you have to show up on time if you want to watch the whole movie sit quietly in your seat the movie's in control typically when you go to a movie theater um but a comic book the reader's in control and one of the other things that a reader does is we fill in the spaces that aren't explicitly displayed in the pages in in between panels in between pages uh, and, and issues and so that's a whole different experience that we don't typically get in a movie so that makes the adaptation Of uh, a a book Like the Long Halloween um, You know It can feel like a daunting task um, Because ultimately There is no way to Unless it's a 20 hour movie To do the thing To just like film the book In a way you know And give you all the
0: stuff That's in between all the pages That you're not getting That
1: you're filling in with your brain Right? Yeah So, um, So it becomes our job To kind of you know Thread that needle and make the whole thing work as a a story told cinematically um that's that's the challenge because as much as comic books and graphic novels are a visual medium and as much as people think they're well they're storyboards right Mm -hmm. um they're not they're not it's not that simple comic books fans readers have a different relationship with the story as it's told in a comic book than they do with a story it's told in a movie and so that's where the big challenge is in
0: adaptation. Thank you for that answer that 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 makes a lot of sense. Um, so one thing that I love about Long Halloween, the book and the film, is that it's a meshing together of genres with horror in there because it's bloody. There's the the horror of the the, the rogues gallery, the, how they look, how they are, crime noir and Batman, just the Batman genre. Can you talk about mm-hmm. how this story meshes these together so perfectly and, and you know, in your own mind, how you created that onto, you know, brought that together into the film?
1: Well, let me tell you that my job was the easiest one in this whole legacy of this thing that you're talking about because, you know, Jeff Loban Sale, uh, you know, did something that was that also was what had built off of um you know what had happened in in year one in the books and and so they so so they created something spectacular uh, that we that we all look to as this seminal important work of art let alone part of the canon for batman dc but uh but then you know i i got to you know uh uh, uh come to it you know with a little bit of uh, a little bit of, of, of experience of all of Batman canon and all of DC stuff and uh, and all the different genres that, I, that I've gotten to work in. Right? And uh, so that helps. man when he was a kid, the effect of Gotham City. And we see a little bit of that play out in the movies. And it's going to happen to Jim Gordon. It's beginning to happen. And, and anybody who knows Jim Gordon's story knows that, you know, he's headed for some rough stuff um, personally in his family life. And so um, for me, focusing on how, it, uh, how Gotham City as a character affects these families who are in service to it um, was the main focus. And then everything else all that work has been done by by Tim and Jeff, and, and gets to be done, in, in, you know, with visuals by Butch. You know, as much as I wanted this to feel, you know, like, let's make a detective noir, I knew very early on that that was going to be Butch and Chris Palmer's job um, to really make this look like we're, you know, in a detective noir story. Um, for me, it was more about just what are the key themes, the important pieces of this story that I need to get on the page um uh and, and that's where my focus was
0: so kind of what you're saying is and you're right is gotham city is really the villain
1: well i mean it depends how you how you interpret you know what's going on uh it could be the villain could be the hero but but i would say gotham city is the central character of the book and uh, of the movies and i think that that's that's faithful to the book i think that what we're seeing in the book is a response we see this in year one and we see it in long Halloween. it's a response to you know the old batman you know golden age old time batman story uh where you know the gangsters were you know the big crooks and 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 you know were the corruption that batman was rooting out in the, in the city and but 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 the long halloween is all about the transition that's happening um, Sal Moroni has a scene with, with Batman in this movie when he says, you know, these, these, these the freaks in the costumes yeah. and the makeup didn't show up scene. until you put on a costume, you know. And, you know, what's the common denominator here, pal, you know. <laughs> and Caroline uh, and Falcone is dealing with the, the changing needs of his business and, and his support as he sees it of Gotham City. You know, I mean, from Carmine's perspective, he's keeping the whole city going. Yep. No, they all think that. Gordon thinks he's doing it. Jen thinks he's doing it. That he thinks
0: he's doing it. That's, that's, a, great doing it? that's a great scene. That's a great question. That's a great question, and that's a great scene, too. I really like that. It's like calling him out on, hey, you kind of started this. So so I know I'm about to lose you here in about a minute or two, but I, I wanted to ask, because I know David Dasmalkin and Titus Williver are both huge comic book nerds, just like us. and. I wanted to know specifically with those guys, did they kind of geek out doing this with you and, and working on this film? And also as a writer, when you have actors of that caliber in, your, in, in your, your, your film, do you find yourself writing lines specifically to hear those actors say them or know that they could deliver some dialogue that would just rock specifically for that actor?
1: Yeah, well, let me tell you. Titus. Oliver and David DeSmallchen are among the rest of this amazing cast, you know, are incredible. The whole cast just knocks it out of the park. Um, but also Jensen Ackles. Oh, okay. Jensen Ackles is, is a huge Batman fan and is somebody who was just born to play Batman. So to get to hear him do this, it just gave me chills. David DeSmallchen was a delight uh, and is a delight. <laughs> and, uh, and, and he was so thrilled and excited to be here, as was... Um, you know, the late Naya Rivera, who, who, who just really brings a whole new dimension to Selena Kyle, Catwoman, in these movies. And uh, like we're, we're just so lucky we got to work
0: with her. Oh, man, it, I, I absolutely loved it. It just was so beautifully done. And I also liked how you kind of tweaked the look of uh, Bruce Wayne to look more like Jensen. At least it looked like it to me. And I thought that was great.
1: Unless it was just my mind. For the All right. <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, thank you very much. Jessica, are you on the line
0: there? I am, Gary. All right.
2: Jessica, say hi to David. This is Jessica Dwyer from Fangirls Magazine. Hey! Uh, hey, David.
0: David hey. David hey, David. David Dasmaltian. You chat away. my buddy. Hey! Dapper David Dasmaltian. How are you? I can hear your voice. Yeah. How are you oh I am so happy to talk to you I promised myself I wouldn't horror <laughs> I promised myself I wouldn't horror geek out too much on this call because I don't have a lot of time with you but it's gonna be really hard <laughs> oh man yeah I'm so excited um, so yeah this, this, and, and you know what's cool this
2: this movie is it, it's very steeped in a tradition of horror I mean it totally has. And I, in my humble opinion, get to play a character that is one of the most spooky, frightening, macabre, and twisted characters of the bunch. So, you know, I'm in heaven. <laughs> oh, we,
0: oh, yeah. No, that was one of my questions about this. Is like I, I got to interview Tim uh, yesterday, or the day before yesterday, and... Um, I, one of the things I, I pointed out and I was asking him about and I wanted to ask you about was the meshing of horror and noir that this represents and how it really just is steeped within horror and how a lot of people compare Calendar Man in this to Hannibal Lecter.
2: Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love that, you know, Julian, Julian Day, who's Calendar Man has this deep, deep, He's lost, if you will, in his
0: um, entanglement with the concept of
2: time and the passage of time and the beginnings and the ends of things, the birth and the death of things. And so the fact
0: It's fantastic. So one thing I wanted to ask you about before you took over the world, because you have, um, is the fact that <laughs> your, your first major motion picture, I believe, was a Batman film. How does it feel to return yeah. to Gotham as two of, and you've done The Flash as well, but specifically Batman, you're coming back to this world as two of the uh, members of the Rogues Gallery. How does that feel as a comic book fan?
2: It's surreal. It's like I'm floating over the bat signal. Um, You know, I can't believe my life. And when you consider that, you know, I was a uh, struggling working actor back in 2007. I was, you know, performing theater in Chicago when I got the opportunity to audition for Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight. And then I was cast in that film and I'm standing there in the street making this film, standing next to the Joker and in this incredible piece of film history, which was inspired in many rights by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sayles' The Long Halloween. Mm -hmm. Um, And now, here we are, you know, more than a decade into my career as a a film and television actor, a character actor that's been finding my way through this crazy business, Um, and I get to bring to life these amazing characters. And I mean, calendar man in the long Halloween part one, it's like, there are a few characters as rich and as exciting and as fun to dive into as this. And, and, and I've always wanted to, to do voiceover and, um, you know, uh, voice acting for animated films. And I've been a very big fan of the DC universe movies. Um, so the fact that this is the first time I'm getting to do something like this, um, it's a really special, full circle moment for me as a geek, as a fan, and as an artist.
0: That's fantastic. So um, this is kind of a broad question, but I wanted to hear it from you because I know you're passionate and you're just like us. You're a massive comic book nerd, you're, you're just a pop culture junkie. As a fan yourself, can you talk about the importance of comics, not only in pop culture but as just a way that they can inspire. Because I know you grew up on them, and I see them as a, a tool and a way to, you know, give, a weirdly, a way to give people guidance in, in heroes.
2: So one of the wonderful things about comic books that a lot of people overlook is that they are our modern-day mythology. They are the stories that we can tell to such a wide audience. From the philosophers to the preschoolers, from the kids to the, you know, the the, the existentialists. Uh, Comic books are uh, a form of, 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 of lit that in, you know, the 21st century are able to reach so many different people and on the surface transport us through their stories and through their exceptional, you know, characters on these grand uh, adventures, uh, be they you know, sci-fi or otherwise. Now, what's wonderful about that is when you mm. transport people through their imagination on these fantastical adventures with these fantastical characters, you're easing their, um, their, their, um, the blockades that we as audience members have created around our minds and our hearts when it comes to the deeper issues uh, and whether those issues are things that make us feel other than that make us feel like we don't belong that make us uh, feel anger towards towards people that are you know stemmed from anything ranging from misinformation and education all the way to the pains and struggles that come with you know mental unwellness um, these stories and both the heroes and the villains in them uh, I really think have an opportunity to um, to impart great wisdom, and when they're when they're written by really talented and passionate writers, which so many of them are, um, you walk away from the experience of enjoying an, an incredible achievement in comic book reading or film or you know uh, video game creation, and you you can really I I don't know be changed by the experience so. It sounds silly, I suppose, to some people, but I take very seriously um, a a form of storytelling that um, is people in tights. (laughs) I think it's it's such a powerful form of of communication.
0: Well, it's kind of like the perfect art form. It's a meshing of of visual and lit, and it's amazing. I love it. I I just love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I know I'm about to lose you, but I had to ask this question because I know you're a massive vampire fan and you're a comic book writer and a filmmaker and a producer. And <sighs> so here's the build-up, and I hope you say that you would okay. love to do this. Have you ever thought of taking and adapting an animated version of red rain? And if you did it, who would you cast as Batman and Dracula if you had your druthers? <laughs> oh, that would be so incredible. Um DC Warner Brothers, you're listening. <laughs> yeah, 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 I would love to pitch so many um so
2: many so so many stories, but Red Rain, oh, oh my god. It's the be
0: best. So incredible. And those those came out like the comics when I was uh, God, I'll date myself here, but probably in high school. And as you know, because I'm a big vampire man, mm-hmm. I think um I think there's no doubt that perhaps um I would
2: cast my <laughs> 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 um, I think I would I would absolutely uh cast myself as um as Dracula <laughs> um, and I think that there's a great obviously Joker um who would be a great Joker? Who's the next great Joker? I, uh,
0: if you haven't I seen, if awesome. you haven't, if you haven't seen Terrifier, um, David Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown, does a amazing Joker. Amazing. Um, and I was thinking, it's, it's kind of really exciting about what's happening with the Batman live action that
2: they're making right now. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I would love to. Um, you know get a chance to act with him at some point um so but yeah uh and there's just it's it's so fantastic uh that the way that the joker is tied into that that whole mythology I and mean, talk about three iconic characters and there's a bunch of other wonderful villains throughout that story but um, you know I, I that would be that yeah, you're right that would make an amazing adaptation so yeah Warner brothers i hope you're listening
0: <laughs> well david thank you <laughs> so, so, so so much in the mix yeah <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And Gary, thank you. And I can't wait to uh, see part two of this. It was fantastic. And I'm so excited for Suicide Squad. Oh my God. So thank you. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome.
2: Well, I hope we get to talk again soon.
0: Same night. You too.